I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and later on the podcast channel. It's time for the match preview. I'm Andrew Musgrove. And today joined, as usual, by John Gibson. We are broadcasting live because we thought you guys might want to see our lovely faces. So if you are watching live, do drop a comment to us and we'll um, I'll ask John the best of the questions. Um, as we mentioned there, Crystal Palace are the opposition, John, on Saturday evening. Um, but before we talk about that game, there's only one place we can really start and that is on the imminent exit of Chris Wood. Um what what do you make of that? He's set to join Nottingham Forest on loan with an obligation to buy. Eddie Howe confirmed it today in his press conference. Neither expected this to happen. You know, Chris Wood was talking in Saudi Arabia to our colleague Lee Ryder. He said he wanted to stay at least to the end of the season. Eddie Howe has already admitted he didn't see this coming, but obviously something's changed and offers come in. What what what's your initial take on this on this imminent exit of Chris Wood? Well, that, that's a significant change in actual offers come in. When there was no offer, it's easy for Chris Wood to say he wants to stay in Newcastle to say they don't want him to go. I mean, to be brutally truthful, I think it's a good deal all around. It's a good deal for Chris Wood and it's a good deal for Newcastle United. I feel that where Newcastle are now, never mind where they're going to go, you know, where they are now, blimey, they're in the top four in the semi-final of a League Cup. And where they're going to go, Champions League and regular top four placings, we hope, in the league, then Chris is not good enough for that. That's the bottom line. And I know that this season he's only been backup striker anyway. And that was the reason we were thinking we were going to keep him and that it's a bit of a surprise because... You worry about the centre-forward position because uh, Callum has injury problems and Isaac's just coming back from a long-term injury. But, I mean, if if we're brutally truthful, he is not part of the long-term plan at Newcastle. He did what he was bought for, which is helping last season's uh, unbeaten run that, that guaranteed uh, there was no relegation. Uh, he isn't... But still, at twenty-five million, he it was top dollar. He was not at twenty-five million, and is not a twenty-five million striker. So I think it, it it's right that Newcastle should cash in. It's a shame they're not getting any money immediately, but the will as long as he goes, if the criteria is met. But of course, we had exactly the same with Drew Bovka. The deal was done with Manchester United that if the criteria was met, there was a fee there when he went full time. Then it became obvious that the new manager didn't want to Bovka and he ended up back at Newcastle. So there's no guarantee of a deal at the end of the season, but there's a distinct possibility. And, you know, you could well fit in at first. I think it's a very good deal for Newcastle and it's obviously a good deal for Chris Wood. 
Mm, definitely. And you mentioned there the price tag to which he arrived at Newcastle with, 25 million. And the goals haven't come to match that. But I think he will be remembered as someone who still played a crucial role in, in helping Newcastle stay up and, and being part of that first group of the new era because the two goals he did score last season, John, uh, were very, very important. You know, they were they were crucial goals. And while he didn't score a bucket load, those two goals played an instrumental part in Newcastle beating the drop, in my view. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, I'm not a great fan. And the 25 million, Burnley must have seen us coming. I know it was a release course figure. Uh, I think it's the only debatable transfer there's been in a policy of Newcastle United since the new owners and the new manager. And that's a terrific record. He gave everything that it was possible to give in his favour, Chris Wood. He never sold them short in any way, shape or form on Endeavour. The lad was just not good enough. And he didn't set the fee and he didn't set the sky-high wages because the sky-high wages he got went with the fee. If you buy a £25 million centre-forward, you pay top dollar in wages. And it's all done at the one time, isn't it? Um, but, you know, he quickly didn't look a Newcastle centre-forward. For goodness sake, we have a history of number nine legends. We've also got a history of some duffers at number nine as well. But we have a history of legends. And he was never going to fit into the um, Alan Shearer, Supermark, Jackie Milburn, Les Ferdinand, Andy Cole role at all because he simply didn't score enough goals. And he didn't score the goals at Newcastle that he scored at Burnley. He was never prolific at Burnley, but he got into double figures. He was never, ever looked like getting into double figures at Newcastle. He's honest to goodness. None of it's his fault, but he's way short of what Newcastle United need. He was, and yes, he should have scored more goals. And you mentioned there Newcastle's history with prolific strikers. But Newcastle have also had a history of bringing in strikers who, who you knew were never going to hit the highs of those names yeah. you've mentioned. The likes, though, of Sibieski. I mean, Daryl Murphy. There's loads of comparisons being made between yeah. Chris Wood and Daryl Murphy. just 25 million, mate. That is true, but in terms of in terms of playing that bit part role, stepping up when needed, doing other things than scoring goals, and I know you'll say, well, scoring goals is what they're paid to do. And I'm but, not certain how many other things that he did, you know, apart from hold the ball up occasionally and supposedly, but devastating in the air. But if you compare that to Wynne Davies, um, it pales into insignificance. It's what's devastating in the air. I think, and it's very harsh, I am very grateful for the job he did last season in the unbeaten run we had, and I give him a load of credit for that. But I think he's so overrated uh, at Newcastle, it's untrue. Uh, and I know that's harsh, but it's my honest opinion. Well, there we go, John. Everyone's entitled to it. And I was going to um, say, that left you absolutely uh, lost for words. Well, you know, I, I was just trying to to get the positives out of his time on 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 Tyne's side. I think you know, great attitude, great professional, and yes, we all love to him, him to have scored more goals. But as I mentioned there, I think the two goals he scored last season, you know, very very We're important goals. About two goals for a centre forward, Andrew. It's almost embarrassing but, to but, actually but, put the two things together. It is. I get that point, but they were very important goals. I think the the header against um, there was one against Wolves and the one against I, I want to say Southampton off the top of my head. Southampton and Chris Spars, They were really important goals, 
And and also, if he scores a winner in a cup final, and it's only one of two or three, then you're saying that's a brilliant goal. So he didn't score a winner in the cup final, though, did he? He didn't. But I'm I'm making the point that you know you I think, and he was very unlikely to. Well, a lot of people are saying he would have been brought off the bench to score a penalty winner um, in, in this league, this year's League Cup final. Hopefully, uh, well, he can't play for Nottingham Forest, can he? So that one's uh, that one's safe. Um, yeah. What it does mean, though, John, is a replacement needs to be brought in now. That's the interesting a, thing now. Yeah. That's the interesting a, thing now. I mean, Chris Wood's part of the past. Thanks very much, Chris. There's a difference of opinion between me and perhaps some other people about how good or how good he wasn't. And it's a harsh old world, and I've been around long enough to judge people harshly because I've seen the cream as well as the gloss. But having said all that, it's now a matter of what do we do? Does the window close where we only have two out-and-out centre-forwards, Isaac and Callum Wilson, and, and then fill in, if necessary, by playing Big Joe back in that position, which he used to play, and using Alan San Maximum as a false nine or whatever, if needs must, or do we get someone else in? If we do get somebody else in, it won't be a Chris Wood type of leader. I don't think it'll be a bang, bang, bang type of big centre-forward who's a blunderbuss. It'll be a bit more of a fluid type of player who can probably play in other positions as well. But I would like to get somebody through. I think we're short up top once Wood's gone and I think we're short in midfield because the the Bruno injuries emphasised how short we are in midfield. Luckily, Joe Linton can go back in there. But we are going to go to Crystal Palace with Joe Linton, Willock and Longstaff in midfield. Because Bruno's injured, Shelby's injured, Anderson's getting more injuries than we like at the moment. So we've got three good midfielders there, but the only three midfielders we've got, Andrew, if one of them gets injured at Crystal Palace, we're in trouble. I think we need a mid. In an ideal world, this window is. We all expect to get a, a young right back in, but we could do with a midfielder and an up top player in my opinion. Hmm. Uh, Peter Chapman says Big Joe was terrible at number nine, though. David feels that Newcastle have sold Wood at the wrong, or lent, lent him out at the wrong time with St Mary's on Tuesday. He feels uh, Chris Wood may have got the goals down in that League Cup first leg. You know, it, it, it's really interesting because I've, I've, I've felt they needed an additional striker before they got rid of Wood. Yeah. They definitely need one now. And of course, that was... The first place that the reporter Which started. You, I'll ask you a question, which is interesting that we've yeah. never thought. We've been sort of, you've been a little bit pulling up what what Chris would give to us, and I accept that theory. And I've been saying what he didn't give to us, and I think we accept that theory as well. And we're saying how limited we are now going to uh, Palace and to Southampton away. But I'll ask you a question. I've been very critical of Joe Linton before he became a midfield player. But was he a worse centre-forward than Chris Wood? I, I Not think necessarily so. so. I, I, I think so. I, I think Chris Wood... By the way, you're going to damn the fellow with faint praise of you say he was a worse centre-forward than Chris Wood. I, I don't think Joe Linton was... I mean, sorry, I think Joe Linton was a worse um, 
set forth than Chris Wood. I think Man, he never so looked like he scoring. He must never wake like up scoring. in the morning and drop straight onto the prayer mat for being made into a midfielder or a left-sided attacker. Then. I and think and Chris, by the way, I criticised him as a centre-forward. Yeah. But I, I don't think we would. he would be more mobile than Chris Wood if he was forced to play there. That is true. He'd probably fit better into the system. But, um, I mean, if one thing is to come out of Chris Wood leaving, I definitely do not want to see Joe Linton put forward, put back into that forward role because he's just it, it, we, we, we just know it won't happen. I'd rather see St Maxman played up top, which is, is also not a good option because I don't think he's suited there. But definitely not Joe Linton. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we won't have that problem because if, if Callum Wilson gets injured... We're not suggesting Isaac is injury prone. We're just suggesting he had a bad injury. And mm. hopefully he's come out of it now. And that's part of the past. Hopefully Isaac is not injury prone and would be available if Callum has one of his wobblers. Well, let me read you some quotes from Eddie Howe from today's press conference. And he was asked about replacing Chris Wood. And he said, we are hopefully planning to replace him. Certainly from my side, there was no thought of letting a player go and not replacing him. That would leave us dangerously short, but there's no guarantees. So that's the position we are in. Now, I think some people will hear that and be a little bit worried with the there's no guarantees. But I think what Eddie Howe's doing there, he's kind of covering his back. He's not making outlandish promises. I think he's just doing what he normally does. Doesn't give too much away. He's got a balance. Yep, we would like him, but also this is a factor. That's just Eddie Howe. When you when you read and, and hear what Eddie Howe says, he never gives too much away. And I think that's another example there of him just being a little bit clever with what he's saying. Yeah, I think he's very clever in what he's saying. And I think he's very professional in what he says. Everybody, including everybody we've sold, whether it's been Fernandez or Kieran Clark or, or now Wood, they've all been terrific players. And if you took the quotes at face value, you'd wonder why on earth they were ever leaving. Um, because he is very, very good at man management. And players love him because there's never a hint of criticism publicly for an individual. And good on him, he does that very, very well. Um, but we, we, we need somebody there. I don't think it would be an out-and-out target man centre-forward like... Chris Wood supposedly was, and like Callum Wilson is, I think the man would be more fluid in the way that Isaac is if we get anybody in. But, you know, centre-forward is the most difficult position to recruit and is the costliest position to recruit because centre-forward normally equates to goals um, and therefore goals are costly. So, you know, it, it there is some pressure on Newcastle if he is to be replaced because they're going to have to spend some money to replace him. You won't. I mean, crikey, they spent 25 mil on, on wood. So what are you going to get cheaper than that? They, mm. it's, it's worth having. it. In, and time is running out if you're buying a centre-forward. It is going to be difficult, and it's going to be very, very interesting. Let me put you on the spot then, John. If you could have your pick of a realistic striker, now I'm not talking about Haaland. I'm Ooh, asking dear, to be dear. realistic, and there was... No qualms about money. There was no qualms about wages or whether he wants to come or whether the team want to sell him. You can literally pick anyone and he'll be in black and white for that game against uh, Southampton. Who would it be realistically? Because oh, this is yeah, a question yeah. which I don't think many people can answer because off the top of my head, you're looking around and thinking, well, actually, 
who is who is there out there that that Newcastle can can actually oh, go I think tonight? that is absolutely true, and it is not something that any of us have thought of. You know, certainly I haven't, because until Wood was going, and Wood to Nottingham Forest has come completely out of the blue. Until Wood was coming, known Wood was sitting in third place with Callum Wilson one, Isaac two, and Wood three, and. Then there was no need to think of anyone else. We didn't expect that Wood would go at this late stage of this window. And therefore, they weren't going to get somebody in. They were going to get a midfield in or, or, uh, and or a right back. So we haven't, uh, we haven't had a look at that situation. I wouldn't, for example, want the, the, the Callum uh, Calvert-Lewin from, from Everton Everton's because in, yeah. you, you're just bringing another Callum Wilson into the club in, in terms of injury prone. And he would cost a few quid and he would cost a few quid in wages. So I don't think somebody like that is the answer. Uh, you're not going to get Ivan Tony or his ilk because they're going to cost a fortune and they're going to have to have the guarantee of starting every game. And I don't think there is a guarantee with um, Isaac and uh, uh, Callum Wilson there. So my first feeling would be they'd have to go abroad and produce somebody out of the blue as they did with Isaac and as they tried to do with the the kid that then went to Paris Saint-Germain after we'd been involved with him for about a year. Uh, it would have to be somebody like that that's been a young striker that's been in Stan Nixon's notebook for quite a while and has suddenly catapulted to the front of the queue. Um be nice if you got a midfielder that could score goals. Mine is a backup to the two, like say Madison. Let's go and get Madison with his assist and his goals, and have him behind Callum Wilson and Isaac. And you know the need for an out and out centre forward would become less so in that in a situation like that. Mm, I mean, they are incredibly short off the bench now. If if would when when Wood does go, they need to get. Someone in a lot of people shouting up for Danny Ings, who's just secured a move there to, well, West, he's Ham. to West Ham, hasn't he? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, West Ham. I, you know, it's not a bad shout there, but he has just moved over to West Ham. Um, I mean, there's a lot of comments here about um, what Newcastle could pe- potentially do. I mean, this is a one that's left field, John. I'm not sure you'll get many people agreeing with this one, but Phil says I think Joe Willick could play a front if we need someone to fill in. He could play certainly at a 10 just behind the number nine um, because we saw the goals he scored regularly when he first came on loan. Um, and he certainly could play as a 10. But we're almost writing off, we're not writing off, but we're almost forgetting that Isaac was bought for £60 million to play centre forward when Wilson wasn't available. Well, what's changed? I mean, well, nothing, nothing's really, changed. I don't think we're writing. I don't think anyone thinks anyone's writing them off. I think in an ideal world, you go not writing them off, but forgetting these why think, he was brought to this club. And there's no reason to think he did. I mean, Callum Wilson isn't going to miss three quarters of the games. He might miss half. He's done in the past between now and then. The season I'm talking about. But then, if you've got a sixty million pound bloke that was brought in to cover that that situation, and he was good enough to be cost sixty million. They're not totally doing scraping the barrel. I think we were scraping the barrel before we got Isaac when we had Callum Wilson centre forward with all his injury problems, and the the number one backup to him was Chris Wood. I think we were we were struggling more then. But yeah. I totally agree that I would like to see in an ideal world, and so would how. 
but a manager is meant to push a board of directors over everything in the hope that he can get the best he can get. And of course, Eddie Howe will want somebody to fill in. He's not. It's it's a manager. He, he, he would, if he could get this this window, a goal scoring midfielder, a centre forward, a right back, he would take them all, wouldn't he? It's mm. natural. Yeah, definitely. And I think I I don't think people are forgetting. I think what people are doing are they're a little bit concerned because I think there is a want from Eddie Howe to play both Isaac and Wilson together, and then. The issue comes that you look at their injury record, and you know one suspension, even one injury away, and then you have a crisis because then you have no senior striker on the bench to come off and replace someone if it's not working, and replace someone if they're tired. I think that's the concern. I don't think anyone's doubting or forgetting that Isaac looks quality. You know, from what we've seen him, the little that we've seen of him, I just think people and rightly have a little bit of a concern. And Eddie Howe's mentioned it there. He knows. He said there it leaves us dangerously short. That's what people are airing, the concern that if you have just two, there are many factors that can then lead you into a bit of a crisis. Yes, I think that's absolutely that's absolutely true. And when if the window closes and we haven't got anybody, you know, um, Eddie is such a, a terrific politician. He'll then start talking about Joe Linton and Alan Sam Maxima as as backup to the two. Um, yeah, and when when we listen to those quotes, we'll think we're so well off and untrue because he's terrific at that. But uh, yes, I do take the point, and we are at a crucial point of the season. That's what's concentrating the minds of fans, and no doubt the minds of Eddie Howe, because the next few days is going to define everything for us. We we are suddenly sitting with. With Spurs last night blowing a two-goal half-time lead, would they ever have a better chance of winning at Manchester City than the 2-0 up at City? It was like when we were 3-1 up against City up here. In the, but, but they're so much weaker than us. They got blown out the water. We, there's a five-point cushion between Newcastle and fourth. I'm not looking at the title. I mean, it's wonderful, it's sensational, it's fabulous that we're even talking about the top four and believing that it can and almost will happen. We're not. I think Arsenal are away for the title and Man City are the outside challengers. And after that, it's open. But it's open with, if, if it ends up the way it is now, Arsenal one, Man City two, Man United three, and us four. That will, at the end of the season, I'm talking, that will be some achievement from where we were last season. And if we then win the, the League Cup as well, and we league, win the League Cup and go in the Champions League, what sort of season will that have been? Nothing short of sensational. And what do we have? In the next few days, that can be determined. If we go and win at Palace with a five-point lead before everybody else plays this weekend, so, you know, will it, we get another three points to go on to those five points? That's it. How many will be clawed back this weekend by Spurs, by Brighton, by Fulham, etc., etc.? And then we go down to Southampton with the defence we've got, the best in the Premier League, and we can set up on Tuesday a home win by, if we get raw win Southampton, we set up the second leg to take us to Wembley, the future of Newcastle can be decided over the next four or five days mm. and, and decided 
Well, um, and you know, one of the concerns we've been saying the centre forward, and, and and I agree totally with everything that you've said and fans have said, Andrew. But I've got to. I, I'm worried about midfield. With Bruno out injured, we've got Willick, Longstaff, and Joe Linton. Get one injury or suspension there, and where are we in midfield for Southampton on Tuesday in the Southampton return? And then there's some really good games to come in the league to get with the points to finish fourth, minimum fourth. We play West Ham at home, Bournemouth away. Then we've got Liverpool home, Brighton at home, where we can peg them back from catching us. I mean, before the end of February, it, it you know the chance is phenomenal. But I'm I'm as well as concerned about up front, Andrew. I'm concerned about the three in the middle of the park because we don't know how long Bruno's out. Yeah, uh, Antonio says uh, the next two games are the biggest for us in many years. And oh. on Bruno John again, you know that was one of the questions asked by reporters today, and Eddie Howe said. Um, said it was positive in the scans, but not sure when he's going to be back. Now, again, we know with Eddie Howe, sometimes he says that, and then all of a sudden that person is in the starting 11 um, for the next game. Now, I don't think that's going to happen because watching the replay of Bruno's, uh, the moment he went down, was no. horrendous. It sends, sends shivers down I his I can't spine. see him playing Palace or Southampton away. So you don't think he's going to be back for that, for that first leg? I, I doubt. I mean, he also said, and I am not suggesting for one second that it's it, the case with Bruno, but he also said about positive things about Isaac. And then four months later, we're still talking about Isaac's injury. Um, and it's not like that with Bruno. I'm certain it's not like that with Bruno. But Eddie, as you rightly say, gives nothing away, whether it's for the uh, alert in the opposition or for producing blind panic. He gives absolutely nothing away. But the bottom line is we don't know. We haven't got a time scale on Bruno. We don't know whether we, he'll certainly not play at Palace. We don't know if there's any chance of him playing at Southampton. We don't know for certain maybe he'll be able to play at home in, because there's no game with the following weekend. We don't know if he'll be able to play at home to Southampton. Uh, we, we sincerely hope so. But there is a concern in midfield. It just takes Joe Linton to go down or something to happen with him or or with with Sean or with Willock. And, um, you know, you're suddenly going out. What do we do now? What have we got in midfield? If something happened in heaven forbid at Crystal Palace, what do we do with the midfield at Southampton if Bruno's not fit? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You know, very true. And I was going to ask you who... who replaces Bruno. We saw Longstaff was the man tasked with dropping back into the position of Bruno and he, he did really well actually I thought against Fulham put the ball in the box which led to the goal. He he looked better I thought in that position where he's got a bit more of control over the game and Eddie Howe was asked about Sean today in the press conference and he said he's been excellent. He does a lot of tireless work for the team in every phase. I think he's improved in all aspects. I think there's goals in him as well. 
Those will hopefully come. But to this point, he's been a vital cog in our team. Is he the man, John, that steps into that Bruno role? Yeah, I think I, I, we know who the three will be. The three will be, for, I'm talking about the Crystal Palace, it will be Longstaff, Willick and Joe Linton. It's how you shuffle them. I mean, I think Longstaff will be the sitter. It, it's then how you look at the left side the attacking situation with Willick and Joe Linton and the guy in front of Joe Linton, who I think will be Alice, Alan San Maximan, to start with at Palace, rather than Isaac. Uh, although, who knows? We never know with uh, with Eddie. But I would think it, Maxi will probably start and, and Isaac will come off the bench at some stage and definitely get on. But whether it's for Wilson, whether it's for San Maxi or for someone else, um, we don't know. But uh, I think the only change will be from the starting lineup against Fulham will will be um, some maximum for Bruno with Joe Linton dropping back. And yes, I would think Longstaff would sit. Hmm. Um, we've got Derek saying he'd be more concerned about losing Joe Linton than Bruno, and that's not taking anything away from uh, from Bruno. And I, I, I think a lot of people are kind of not. I'm not going to say agree with that, but Joe Linton has been a force to be reckoned with. Um, Donald says if we get an injury in midfield, we need to put Share as a defensive midfielder as he's good on the ball. I'm not going to agree with that one actually because I think Share and Botman together have got such a good partnership that the last thing you want to do is break that up. And Share can play that, in that's that a concern. Role, but that's a concern taking yeah. him out of the back uh, because the back is proven to be a barn door slammed shut, hasn't it? It's proved to be that. And I do follow the guy's reasoning how he could play that defensive midfield role, but then you've got to go down the route of um, Lascelles or, or whoever coming in at the back, and I'd rather leave the back the way it is, especially in the next two games, being away from home. If you can guarantee a clean sheet at Crystal Palace and at Southampton, you've got at least a point in the Premier League and you may get a 1-0 win with a clean sheet, and if we get a clean sheet at Southampton, we've, we've set up the second leg. We're halfway to Wembley if we get a mm. clean sheet at Southampton. So, you know, it, it's and Shaw has done so well with Botman. Um, and yes, you could move Burn across. But then if you move Burn across, who do you play at left back with target injury? And, you know, you don't really want to disturb that back four if you can help it. Yeah, I mean, options would be Jamal Lewis, could Matt Ritchie come in. But again, if, if you don't no, need not, to, you don't want no, to. None in the same league. No. Um, on the midfield, then, we know Newcastle are in the market for a midfielder, particularly a kind of a defensive midfielder, someone who can, can break up play as well as pick a pass. We've had the likes of Ruben Neves, Wolves being linked, Tielemans is another one being linked. Um, they would cost quite a bit of money, John. Would you like to see either of them come in, or is there anyone else that would take your fancy? They're good players, there's no doubt. Uh, it's interesting that we're linked with Telemans and then we're linked with Madison, uh, both at Leicester and both very, very different midfielders. So the question is, what sort of midfielder exactly does uh, Eddie want? I mean, Telemans has much more defensive qualities than Madison, who's very, very offensive with assists and goals. So does he want an offensive midfielder or does he want a defensive midfielder? 
um, because Telemans and Telemans is a good player, and certainly Graham Jones is pushing Telemans' case very, very strongly behind the scenes, as he would because of his links with Belgium when he was number two to uh, Martinez, uh, and worked with Telemans, of course. So, um, but I mean, I would I go back to the tried and trusted. If you weren't talking about cash, uh, I would like to see Madison arrive at Newcastle without without a shadow of doubt. Hmm. It's some injury concerns there, so that's probably one to. Oh yes, that's true as well. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'd be certainly interesting to see who the game. I, mean, I do like the look of Neves. I think he can. I think he's a good player. I think he is a person. Um, but again, you know, it, it, it's money. It's 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 how much money they've got to spend, and if the player wants to wants to come to Newcastle, um, so it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on that. Um, let's talk about Crystal Palace then, John. The opposition on Saturday, yeah, they got a one-one draw with Manchester United earlier this week, which I'm sure everyone on Tyneside applauded because it meant that New, uh, Newcastle um, only Absolutely. went quite behind Manchester United rather than than three. Fantastic free kick from uh, from the Palace player to draw level in the last minute. <coughs> but as a whole, their season hasn't been all that good. We usually think of Selhurst Park as this fortress, as a place opposition teams do not like to go. And Newcastle down the years, in fairness, have not played very well down there. But Palace have played 10 at home this season. They've won four drawn two and lost four. So it's not a brilliant record. It is where they're picking up most of the points, but they haven't won at home since the 29th of October. So yes, you, you put into the World Cup into that as well, but that is a long time to go at a ground, especially like Sellers Park, without a win. Oh, they, they, Their form has dropped off since the World Cup as well. I think their current form is that they've lost about six out of eight in all competitions. And they were one minute away from doing that against Manchester United. Um, the form is not good. Um, but they're, they're just... They're one of those sides it's difficult sometimes to play against. I mean, they showed that with the two no-notes up at our place because the League Cup was no no. In normal time, Newcastle have played three hours against them at home and failed to score a solitary single goal. Now, I know... It, that we won in the League Cup because that, that was penalties and I know that Callum Wilson didn't start either game against them up here uh, didn't play at all in either game up here uh, Bruno didn't start either game up here he's not going to start this time etc um, etc et but that just this duo team luckily they, they haven't got a centre forward because when you think of Zaha and Easy and Elise that scored the goal the equaliser, the wonder free kick. They've got attractive forwards, but they haven't a centre forward. We're back to the subject, don't we? Centre forwards are gold. They haven't got a centre forward. They tried to buy, they bought the guy from Celtic, didn't they? They scored a pile yeah. of goals. They scored a pile of goals at Celtic. But it's almost a givey, isn't it? If you play centre forward for Celtic or Rangers, it's almost impossible not to score goals because of the, sometimes the opposition you're playing again. You know, and he came down for big dough from Celtic and, and hasn't looked the answer. And before that, they had Benteke, who wasn't the answer. Um, if they had a centre forward, they would be a vastly improved side. But they haven't got a centre forward. And um, and we've got a very, very good defence. 
So their lack of a centre forward now a defence, I travel with optimism. But when don't they these days? I mean, when does any of Newcastle fan, you know, have apprehension? I mean, we've played and won it at Spurs. We've gone to Arsenal and got a draw. We've gone to Manchester United and got a draw. Not fluked them, thoroughly deserved. So why should we be scared of Palace? There's always the possibility of something going wrong. We know that. But um, no, they aren't in a good run of form at all at the moment. And we are. Um, Yes, we can talk about we would like to see some goals arrive. I think Callum Wilson's gone seven games now without scoring, seven games in which he's played, you know, because he missed a a couple with illness and whatever. Miggy's gone four and a half now, if I dare mention that to you, uh, Andrew. The the half being when he come on in the cup. Uh, So, in there, our two best scorers by a mile this season. So, it would be nice to see one of them notch down at Palace. But he has scored, I think, in the last... He scored two goals against Palace, hasn't he, Miggy, in recent times? So the third, the third will come on Saturday. Uh, Callum oh, Wilson yeah. also likes Sellers Park, if I'm not too mistaken. So maybe a few goals there. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want a great stat, John? I know you're not a fan of stats, but would you like this stat? Has blown my mind. Go on. I would, to, I would love to know the person who's worked this out right. Who gets paid to do this? Crystal Palace have lost their last eight home league games. Their last, the last what? Eight. Right, home league games when they've kicked off at five thirty on a Saturday. Well, whoever did, whoever produced that uh, very interesting stat wants to get alive because if if all you can do is sit at home and and suddenly come upon that, which must take hours to be able to come upon. It's quite amazing, but I'm quite delighted to hear that stat, and long may that continue. But um, is that with or without the wind advantage in the first half? And uh, I mean, how many other stats come into play? It's it's quite amusing. But uh, no, I'd rather look at the stat, which tells me Newcastle don't concede goals. And, and and it's simple as that because that is a, a fact of life and, and you, you can see it in every game, can't you? I mean, all I do now when I watch Newcastle is wonder when they're going to go ahead. I'm thinking of the Fulham game, for example, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking of the, the couple of note notes, uh, sorry, the note note wide with Leeds because I don't think we're going to concede, but we're going to score. And, and I'm just waiting for us to score. And when we score, I relax because I think we ain't going to let one in. Um, Fantastic, you know, and that's how I feel going down the palace. Of course, there's going to be an exception, and that clean sheet thing could have got blown sky high if Mitrovic hadn't decided to uh, play wobbly knees or whatever he did, wobbly ankles on the penalty. Um, But poetic license there, Um, I was quite happy to see that. Oh, absolutely, because then we would have been behind the eight ball to, to be going for a draw. Um, and we won, and I think we deserved to win. But, um, yeah, we needed that look. And, because, blimey, if you remember that incident, we were down the other end when the penalty was given. We were attacking Fulham. But if you remember that incident, there, there could have been two penalties within about 10 seconds given away by Newcastle because there was burn in the incident at the other end, the other side of the penalty box, 
before Trippier hit the right-hand side of the penalty box. But all's well, it ends well. And, and Newcastle won 1-0 and we'll go down with the, with the, the goals against record we've got, which gives me terrific hope, both at Crystal Palace and at Southampton on Tuesday. Yeah, Les Stapleton says, to your point there, John, exactly, but we have to make our own look and make a count. Hope the lads can do it. Surely Palace won't park the bus at home. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I haven't watched too much of Palace. I think they have got the players to attack, but it's whether it's at the point now where Patrick Vieira just needs a win at home. And do they just sit in and try and hit Newcastle on the counter and, and force Newcastle to actually play, have the ball in Newcastle and you come on to us and show us what you can do with it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think Palace like to play on the counter and, um, you know, they'll feel as long as it's at 1-0, they're they in the game. Uh, and they proved that with Manchester United because, you know, they could have been out of sight and suddenly that free kick. And by the way, if Newcastle gets something out of the blue with Crystal Palace, I hope we celebrate more than Elise did with that very kick. You almost looked as if it was a pain to score. It was is he, is he a Manchester United fan? I mean, well, I that's what I looked up. No, he, evidently he's a bit of a footcake. He, he, he's, he's into rapping and, and he thinks it's cool to do all like, hey, hey, I scored a goal, so what? Like, and he, cause he's often done. He was interviewed after scoring a, a Brahma last season and was asked, talk us through the goal. And he said, I got a pass, a shot, and the ball went in the net. Ah, uh, yes, the one, that, that the one word interview. I remember the one word interview, yeah. That, that was his interview sort of thing. I think he's just Mr. Cool. Uh, I, 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 the obvious thought was he's a Man United fan, but evidently not. He's just. Um, Different as the same. Well, uh, each to their own, and I'm sure there'll, there'll be plenty of uh, kids trying to reenact that that uh, celebration of their their score this weekend. And um, yeah, I'm sure to some he looked very cool. Indeed, to others he was criticised for not celebrating enough. But um, everyone's entitled to, to celebrate in the way they feel. Um, Newcastle, John, if they avoid defeat this Saturday, will set a new club record for the longest. Uh, unbeaten run in the Premier League, which will be 15 games. So, again, I'm sure that won't come into any house thinking he's not bothered about setting records or you know making history. No, but that's it it, a nice, it's a nice accolade to have. Um, Absolutely, in the time whistle. Absolutely, and you know, may we do that? And you know, I'm I'm getting worried because I'm so confident going into matches now that uh, I think should I be. A little bit more realistic, but I think I am being realistic. I don't expect the Sears get getting beat at Crystal Palace. You know what? If we draw with Crystal Palace without knowing how the game's gone, just thinking of it now, I'll be a tad disappointed because I think we're, we're the sort of side that wins games now, and I would expect that we would win at Crystal Palace. And I mean, if I could, take, if we won, won at Crystal Palace and drew with Southampton on Tuesday, I'd be made up. Hmm. Because I think, most people, I think most people would. Um, before I get your result prediction, then John, for the game against Palace, I just want to get your views on on this point from Sean, and he says Eddie Howe needs to hurry up, as there's not long left in the window. We have plenty of money, but not saying we should scatter the cash. But there's not long left in January. Now I would say that to that, trust the process. 
They've scouted players. They've got a pool of players that they like, and it's about whether the deal works for them, whether the players got the right attitude, you know, whether the, the team wants to sell. They've shown in the previous two windows they've had that their recruitment is spot on. Even Chris Wood. Now, I get what you're saying. It's probably the only one some people might scratch their heads with, but they knew where they knew how much the deal was. They knew the player wanted to come. They got them through the door. In terms of getting the deals done, they know what they're doing. And I think just patience is, is the key. Patience is the key. You can trust that those in the boardroom in Eddie Howe are working towards getting players through the door. They are wanting to. They are trying to. And again, I'd just say patience. That's all I would say. Just trust the process. I mean, this, despite how well we did in January a year ago, um, and there was needs must at that stage, we had to buy people or, or we were going down. But January is traditionally a difficult month for transfers because clubs don't want to let people go because they haven't got time to get a replacement and they're either going for promotion if they're a championship side or they're going for Europe or they're going against relegation and they're scared to let anybody go. If they've got a full summer to find replacements, etc., etc., it's much easier to do deals. And with the time left, it's not easy whatsoever uh, in January. The whole situation has been brought into focus by the late deal for Chris Wood. You know, that has accelerated and changed thinking totally in the boardroom and in the manager's room because that was not necessarily expected. Um, so we'll see what's left. Most deals are done in the, in the second half of the window, the January window anyway, as mines are concentrated, you're getting towards the end of the month. And of course, there's the other side of the deal, whereby, um, you know, if we want to send a forward suddenly because Chris Wood's gone, there's the loan market, and we may we may do it that way. Hmm. We may well do it through the loan market. Yet we don't necessarily have to spend thirty million, but and 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 then perhaps sully the water financially for next summer. We can get somebody through the the loan market. And it may be that if we need a centre forward now, but we can't get the ultimate centre forward that we want, we get a body in, but between now and May on the loan market and then start again in in the summer. Uh, Derek says they'll have a list and when all the players on the list have been snapped up, the buying clubs have got their money in. So we're left in a much better bargaining position with no other buyers in the market. Trust Dan and Eddie. And on to your result prediction then. And I'll ask this with John's ask you's question here, John. Um, how much does Bruno's absence reduce our chances of three points tomorrow? Well, when you have the absence of a top player, it always reduces your chances. Whether that player is Bruno, whether it's um, Callum Wilson, which we've had a few times in the past, uh, whether it's Joe Linton, or I'll especially mention it for you, Andrew, whether it's Miguel Mir in this season, and of course it, it, it affects you. You know, Botman out at the back wouldn't help. Pope not playing in goal wouldn't help. It it has an effect without a shadow of, of doubt. But short term, we can cope 
the three in the middle of the park, Joe Linton, Willett and Longstaff, short term, i.e. the match on Saturday tea time, we can cope. But yes, it affects us. Uh, a prediction, I am taking Newcastle to win by a single goal. By that, I mean 1-0 or 2-1. Um, just by one goal, not 2-0 or 3-0. I think it'll be tough. It'll be a war of attrition. We'll stick with it. And I would take Newcastle to win by a single goal, whether that's 1-0 or 2-1. Got Barry there saying 2-1 win. It's Newcastle. We've got to coin a phrase saying we've played without Bruno uh, before we can do it again. Derek's going for 2-0 to Newcastle. I'm going to go for a win as well. Along the similar lines, I can't see him be too many goals in it. 1-0 here or there. But I think Newcastle will win and go back up to third as well and continue surprising people, continuing to upset the odds. And more importantly, John, go into Tuesday in good spirits because that and, momentum is going to be key. And on Tuesday, we will set up Wembley, which is going to happen this season. Again, I'll give you our defence is far too good for a very, very average Southampton attack outside of Ward-Prowse. Please don't give away free kicks outside of the, just outside the penalty area because it could be a battle of the two free kick takers, Trippier for us and Ward-Prowse for them. But I think whatever the score is down there, it'll set up the return second leg. And I, I always remember when I was with Newcastle United on the only time they've ever in their history played a two-leg League Cup semi-final. And that was 1976. And the opposition was better than the Southampton team is now. We played Spurs. We lost 1-0 down there, but won the second leg 3-1. And um, I think Newcastle will get to Wembley this year as well. So I'm looking forward to what ought to be a very nice weekend because we get a result against Crystal Palace and we get the result at Southampton that sets up the second leg. And a 1-0 defeat at Southampton would set up the second leg. Not that I'm even contemplating that being the score. Mm. Well, plenty to talk about before that game against Southampton next week. The focus is, though, on that game against Crystal Palace on Saturday evening. You can head over to chroniclelive.co.uk Keep with it with all the latest Newcastle United news, including Eddie Howe's press conference and all the build-up to the trip to Selhurst Park. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on the podcast channel, please remember to like and follow. Leave us a rate and review and share the pod amongst your Newcastle United supporting friends and family. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks to John. Have uh, an enjoyable rest of your Friday. And here's Newcastle getting three points against Crystal Palace. <laughs>